Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. Today's episode will be my first retraction episode. A sort of a semi-retraction, since I'm not really retracting a whole concept, but more one of the pieces of evidence that I, I used for a concept. Now, I, I think this episode is, is important. It's been in the docket for a while now, and um, it's just I was looking for a, a spot to kind of place it in. But I, I think it's important that we, we eventually got to it because, first, it's important to be clear that I view this podcast as a whole as a continuing discussion. Um, some, of, some of the topics that I talk about or some of the episodes that I, I discuss, I, I feel very confident about. You know, I might have 90% certainty or something. Uh, and others I might have like 51% certainty or I, I might just be kind of in dialogue with myself. I don't view this podcast overall as as one that intends to just download knowledge into your head because I have the right answers. It's more of I I have a passion and an ability to to read a lot and research a lot and um, kind of have that kind of inner dialogue, and so I I want to let other people in on that experience so that they can figure out where they land, and so I I, I don't intend to just dictate things here. So I expect that there are going to be times where I need to retract some things or, or edit some things. And I, th- I think that's important for other people to be able to see. I am clearly a fallible human being, and I, I am only able to present information as I know it and understand it at the time that I present it. I can always gain more information or arrive at different understandings throughout time. So I, I hope to be humble enough to be changeable with truth and I want this episode to be an example of, of that willingness or an attempt at that. I don't want to make um, any of my cases, I don't want to build any of them on shoddy information because my goal is truth and not a particular case. Second, this retraction centers around a passage um, from, from uh, one of our episodes on abortion that is, uh, this passage is very important for the pro-life and pro-choice Christians. So I think the retraction itself is, is important just because of the content. All right, with those things in mind, let's go ahead and get right to it. I had an episode in the abortion dis- uh, season where I discussed bad Christian arguments against abortion. And the point of the episode wasn't to undermine the pro-life position, but rather to get rid of what I felt were bad arguments against abortion, which weakened the credibility of the pro-life case. So as a part of that episode, I identified the, the cherry-picking of pro-life Christians with biblical text. And while I, I still stand by that overarching argument, one of the passages that I used in that episode was from Numbers 5, where it looks like a jealous husband can have his cheating wife drink a concoction in order to abort the illegitimate child. However, I've been reading more on this lately, and I've, I've concluded that presenting this passage in, in such a light is, it really, uh, it, it puts forward a, an incomplete picture. I'm not going to say that this can't be what Numbers 5 is saying, but at this point, I think there's a good chance that the text actually means um, something else, or at least has some significant nuance to it. And because of that, I want to walk through some of the issues here. And, um, and then I'll also, so while I, I'll retract a portion, I also want to point out where I, I still end up having um, some problems. Okay, so the Numbers 5 passage. Um, the word in, in the Numbers 5 pass, uh, 
passage where it talks about how you know this this husband can give his if he thinks that his wife um, had an adulterous uh, she had an affair he can go to the priest the priest will give her some concoction and it will make her have a miscarriage is what some some passages say but when you look at it the word miscarriage isn't really in the numbers passage and only certain translations those which take a more interpretive stance explicitly state uh, state miscarriage more word for word translations or or formal equivalent translations they talk about the womb swelling or the thigh rotting so if you you go with this idea that instead of uh, a miscarriage it's talking about maybe barrenness because the the woman's doesn't say that the woman's pregnant talks about her thigh rotting or womb swelling um, and and you can also see this when you you know maybe get more clarity when you look at the opposite of what what is talked about then because when you read through the passage and see that the opposite of the punishment coming on the woman is that her womb will still be able to conceive the implication is that the punishment is probably barrenness. And such a punishment would make a lot of sense because that would have been a huge deal to ancient Near East women back in the day to be to be barren, uh, damaged goods. So all in all, I think that barrenness makes a lot of sense as an interpretation here, and probably more sense than the miscarriage. I've linked two articles in the show notes that do a good job of walking through a more complex argument and one of the articles even includes some context from Josephus's interpretation. Now, as far as this event goes here, though, this, this Numbers 5 um, ordeal, there's still some things that don't sit well with, with uh, me. I mean, first, it, it seems like a trial by ordeal uh, is, is only for the woman, right? I mean, it's kind of like um, Monty Python's witch trial. And does she sink or does she float? And such a trial by ordeal seems seems like a pretty pagan and, and unfair uh, act. And in fact, we do see similar trials in pagan cultures surrounding Israel. So the whole thing feels just a bit off, feels unfair and um, prejudiced maybe. I don't know what the right word is. And it also seems unfair that the woman is put on trial, just like the woman who's about to be stoned in John, while an adulterous man is nowhere in view of the text. You know, where's the trial for the guy who you suspect of sleeping with your wife? But some Christians push back and say how this, this trial by ordeal was the best answer in a society where the alternative may be that a jealous husband could outright divorce or kill his wife without grounds. So maybe this, this was better than um, just mere suspicion being a valid way to, to off your wife. Though, on a side note, we know that the Israeli men, at least by Jesus' time, could divorce their wives for pretty much any reason, like burning dinner, um, at least according to, to one school of thought, which I, don't know, I, thought, I think it was pretty, pretty dominant or, or uh, significant at the time. So, I don't know. The Numbers 5 passage, you know, if, it, if it really did make barren or kill, as Josephus interpreted it, it seems like a much more vindictive avenue than just a divorce. Um, In some ways, drinking this concoction that most likely did nothing to most or all women and assuaged the husband's suspicion and anger may have been protective to the women and, you know, pragmatically, maybe that was, uh, maybe it was actually a good thing. I don't know. It's still weird and feels a bit lopsided, but... uh, 
that's not what this podcast was about. That's not what this episode was about or this the season on abortion. Um, but anyway, you can you can read the assessment of some others in the show notes and, and in the links and decide for yourself. For me, explaining away this passage doesn't fully resolve the issue, though. We see that God didn't have qualms with having children killed as judgment, which we see in pagan nations such as the slaughter of Canaanite infants as well as the death of David's child with Bathsheba. So to explain away numbers and ignore that this judgment on kids for the sins of parents isn't a one-off passage doesn't ultimately do you much good. The difference is, and which I think pro-choicers would see immediately, is that pro-lifers only view the Numbers 5 passage as a problem since it's the only passage that deals with children inside the womb, whereas the Canaanite children and David's child were killed once they were outside the womb. But isn't infanticide outside of the womb not as representative as when it's done inside the womb? And if not, why not? Furthermore, we see passages like those in Psalm 137, where the psalmist calls those blessed who dash the heads of his enemies' infants against rocks. I mean, the Bible has infanticide as a judgment against pagan nations, the greatest of Israel's kings, and those we deem our enemies. Explaining away the Numbers 5 passage, then, in my view, doesn't allow pro-lifers who like to proof-text the Bible for a pro-life position, doesn't allow them to escape, uh, escape extreme inconsistency. So consider this episode a semi-retraction. I'm retracting the weights that I put on Numbers 5 and arguing that Numbers 5 is probably not ultimately talking about abortion or miscarriages as judgment. However, I'm not retracting what I think is a huge problem with biblical proof texting for the pro-life position. In fact, I'm going to double down on that one. Hopefully I don't have to do too many more retraction episodes in the future, though I hope to have the character which would make me see truth and correction as imperative where I know I've made mistakes. And I can guarantee you that I've made some mistakes. So... Uh, hopefully those come to light and we can we can have more retraction episodes. But that's all for now. So peace, and because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it.